swallow the marquee and come to the Monday matinee. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. And welcome to Sonic Society. For our new listeners, the Sonic Society has been the world's showcase of modern English language audio drama since 2004. There are hundreds of episodes available from nearly 200 different audio drama companies, producers, directors, writers, and actors. The show also has original interviews of the medium of audio, replays of old-time radio shows, panel discussions, workshopping audio productions, special summer series including brand new recreations, and so much more. Today is our season premiere, season 13, episode 524. And with that long-winded but probably overdue introduction of what we do, I'm your frog-throated host, Jack Ward, here with your silver-throated co-host, David Alt. Welcome back, David. <laughs> Thank you. I have missed these times with you. It does feel, yes, it's, it feels like it's been a long summer. Without you. Yes. Did you have a lovely, relaxing summer? I season? did. Yes. Thank you very much. It's been a, a very nice summer. Uh, not tremendously hot and sunny over here, but uh, in in many ways, that's how I like it. I, I like the weather to be a little bit on the cooler side. I do remember my time over in Texas when it was above a hundred degrees or, or forty for us that actually use sensible temperature scales. Yes, um, and that was that was just a little bit too much. It truly, yeah. Well, you know, we've had a very warm summer here, and this last week has has been sort of unseasonably cool. And people have complained, but I was like, no, no, no. I love the fall. I love <laughs> yes. these weathers and. Oh, it's autumn is the best time of year for me, I think. And uh, we've just been out today and we went to Fountains Abbey, and which is a beautiful World Heritage site, which is just on our doorstep. Mm. And there's that feeling in the air. There's the lovely mist and, and the fog and it just and that feeling of, of everything returning to the ground and getting ready for winter. And there's there's a magic in the air, which which, well, that's September and October, really, isn't it? So uh, I was just thinking today that if summer is for the young autumn is for the people who have seen summer and, and seen its small promise <laughs> <laughs> yes but what promise it brings all of those lovely blackberries out on the bramble bushes yes all the fruits in season the apple trees at fountains abbey still had loads of fruit and loads oh, of very yes. tasty fruit as well so yeah oh uh, the trees must be beautiful over in canada because i remember being over there uh, a few septembers well i say a few septembers ago it's 12 years ago now oh my goodness when no not not since the last saw you jack i was gonna say no 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 (laughs) i I was over in the september of 2005 and went up to the algonquin in ontario oh that's beautiful yes oh the colors yes were amazing absolutely gorgeous and you get that after a nice hot summer you get the really vibrant reds and oranges and yellows so autumn is definitely a colorful and really 
abundant time of year. It is, and it's it's very beautiful here, and, and we're looking forward to more enjoyment of that in the next couple of months as we go along. Mm. Did you have any things that you did this summer recording-wise in the audio world? Uh, well, I, I continued with my No Sleep podcast. I, I say duties, but it's really not a duty because it's so much fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have done a couple of things for the Wicked Library, which are uh. coming up in October, and also uh, another couple of things for uh, Voices in the Wind Audio Theatre, right. uh, who are also based in Ontario. That's right. Out of Chatham, David Farquhar. Mm. I, I, yeah. I recorded with him as well. I think we'll be together on, on that particular production. I'm looking forward uh-huh. to that when it comes out. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's good that you haven't been too idle in the summer. Oh, of course not. Can never be too idle. <laughs> I don't think you ever have been. <laughs> well, as summer closes her doors and sweeps the veranda for another season, we can turn to the business of showcasing the world's best modern audio theatre. And we're truly in the lap of luxury. For the first time in as many years as I can remember, I set to looking at new works to schedule and showcase and found quite the schedule filling to the end of 2017 without much of a challenge <laughs> oh, at all. Brilliant. Well, yes, it, it is a cornucopia out there. We truly live in this world of plenty as so many new groups and individuals are finding this medium that we love. Yeah. Uh, the Really, the new challenge is keeping up with everything out there. And I know it's a challenge we're both up to, but before we can turn to some new performers... I'd like to begin with some old friends. For the first time in a long time, Dakota Ring Theatre doesn't have any new audio drama for us to replay since they've been working on doing audio novels. And we didn't have enough time to present a Friend of the Society show last season. So we're pleased to present, as this week's opener, Narada Radio and Pulpery Theatre's The King's Prerogative by Pete Lutz and written by Mike Murphy. And it all happens right here on the Sonic Society. This episode of Pulpery Theatre and the remaining episodes of Season 4 are dedicated to the memory of Bill Holweg. Bill was my friend, my shipmate, my brother in the audio drama community. Supportive, generous, and the most upbeat, positive guy around. He's one of two people I've met through Facebook that I've taken the trouble to meet face-to-face, and I'm so happy I did. I'll treasure the memories of that visit forever. Billy, we hardly knew ye, and you left us too soon. If you believed in heaven, I hope you made it, and are now swapping stories with Robert E. Howard and Rod Serling and Pierre Boulet. Those of us you left behind will do our best to find a way to keep going without you and to honor your life with our audio dramas. Requiescat in pace, Billy Boy. Hi, this is Pete Lutz. You're about to hear a new episode of Pulpery Theater, and I hope you'll stay tuned after the show to hear some information about two other shows produced by some friends of mine. Thanks, and now... This is Paul Perry Theater, starring the Narada Radio Company. Inspired by the best pulp in the world, welcome to Paul Perry Theater, starring the Narada Radio Company. Tonight, The King's Prerogative, by Mike Murphy. Good evening. Have you ever wondered what it might be like to be a king? 
fans of Mel Brooks's films would, I imagine, respond with, It's good to be the king. But is it? Is it really? Others will say, Heavy hangs the head that wears the crown. Obviously, there's no single correct answer to our question. But tonight we're visiting a mythical kingdom to try to get at least one answer. We'll be meeting with His Majesty and a few of his subjects in just a moment. But first, here's Lisa to tell you a little bit more. Our play for tonight is The King's Prerogative, and it's an original by returning guest playwright Mike Murphy. We hope you heard his first contribution, Season 2's This Guy Walks Into a Bar. Tonight's script, according to Mike, is one of his earlier works. Our story begins deep in a dungeon, far beneath the king's palace in the country of Trega, many, many years ago, when Trega still existed. His Majesty stands just outside the door to one of the cells. This visit to the dungeon is a rare event for the king, and for him to ask to see one specific prisoner is another rarity. We'll find out the reason why soon, as we listen to The King's Prerogative. I tried to swab him down, sire, but he is still filthy. I would suggest that your majesty does not touch him. That was always my intention, guard. I'm certain that you have done your absolute best. Thank you. I shall keep my weapon at the ready, in case the vile beast tries to... I shall to. see him alone. But, sire, he is... I know precisely who and what he is. I said I will see him alone. Your Majesty, if you will forgive me, the prisoner is a potentially violent man. I'm aware of that. You will stand guard outside the cell door. If Your Majesty insists. I do. You may open the door now. I will call to you when I am ready to depart. Yes, sire. Prisoner, come into the light. It hurts my eyes, your majesty. Then come as near the light as you can so that I may see you. Your name is Prague, correct? Correct, sire. You were informed of my visit? I was, my king. I am honored. Rise and face me. Your majesty? I insist. Yes, sire. <clears throat> Very good. Are you aware of the passage of time? I am, sire. I keep track of the sunrises and sunsets by scratchings on the wall of my cell. Your majesty can see them over there. Then you are aware of what day tomorrow is. Tomorrow is the sixth anniversary of your majesty's ascendance to the throne. Precisely. Are you also aware of what is called the king's prerogative? I'm afraid I am not, sire. No matter. Every year on the anniversary of my ascendance, to show my leniency... I pardon one prisoner. The decision is entirely my own. M me? Me, sire? You, Prague. You honor me, my liege. I will lead an exemplary life. 
I promise to make you proud of me. I deeply regret my previous lawlessness, which sent me to this dreary cold cell. Not so quickly. This release comes with the proviso. What is it, your majesty? Anything you say. I require of you a favor. A favor, sire? What favor could a man like me do for your majesty? A great service, Prack. Give it word, your majesty. I wish for you to kill the queen. Kill? Yes, Prague. Such a deed is not a fitting activity for a king. Why would you want me to kill the queen? This is not for you to ask. Will you do it? I su suppose I... I chose you because of the crime that brought you to this cell ten years ago. It was murder, was it not? It was, sire. But I killed the shopkeeper in self-defense. Otherwise, I would never The fact remains that you were found guilty in our courts and sentenced to this very cell. In Trega, murder is murder. So I learned. Will you perform this favor for your king? Your Majesty, I had hoped upon release to return to my family. I have a son who is nine who I have never set eyes on. I could not remain in this land after murdering the queen. I would be discovered. After you perform this favor for me, I would suggest that you flee to our northern neighbor, the land of Swaro. Their border with us is barely guarded. You could start a new life there as a free man and send for your wife and son. I am not certain about this, your majesty. When will you be released from here, Prague? My sentence was life. Exactly. Without my generosity, without your acceptance, you will never see your wife and son again. You will die here, old and shriveled and filthy. Tell me that you do not wish to honor my request, and I will be happy to make the offer to some other prisoner along this passage. Surely you've heard them. Moaning and wailing pitilessly during the long, cold nights, with nothing but, perhaps, a dream to keep them company. I'm sure they have heard you. The guards tell me that you can be very vocal at times. But, sire... Well, brag, what shall it be? You've killed before. Surely you can kill one more time. I killed in anger, sire. It was not planned as this would be. I shall not make this offer again. Your Majesty, for my freedom, I will do it. Excellent. I am pleased. I shall direct the guards to have you cleaned up for tomorrow. Thank you, sire. Here is the plan, Bragg. You will be presented tomorrow at the anniversary ceremony. I assume that you shall be suitably grateful for all to see. I will, your majesty. I will. After your presentation, you shall be set free. I shall expect to hear of the queen's death before midnight tomorrow. You will, sire. Does your majesty have a preference as to method? I shall leave the method up to you. I wish only that it looks brutal. See to that. How may I gain entrance to the palace 
without being observed. The north entrance will be unguarded. The queen's bedchamber is on the second floor, at the end of the passage. I understand. Do not fail me, Bragg. If necessary, I shall personally hunt you down like a rabid dog. And the next sentence you receive will not be so lenient. Beautiful tribute, is it not, my queen? It is, husband. Your subjects love you. You have reason to be proud. You speak as though I am alone in the palace. They adore their queen as well. I suppose they do. You suppose? Why do you have the slightest doubt, my dear? Pray, forget I mentioned it. There is no need to speak of it further. If something is bothering you, there is always need to speak of it. Well... To be absolutely truthful, I do believe our subjects love me. Then it is settled. No, it is not. The lack of love I sense is from you. From me? You doubt my love? Sometimes. Have I ever given you reason? No. Then why, pray? I'm afraid I, I cannot explain it. It is simply a feeling. You could call it intuition. My love for you has never been stronger. I swear it. Then I must believe you. Why does this continue to bother you? Does my word mean nothing? It is not that. What then? Does it not bother you that we cannot have children? It did once, but no longer. I very much wanted to bear you children. An heir. I know, my dear, but I see no use lamenting that which cannot be. I love you no less. I know. What did you think of the prisoner I said free earlier? I am afraid that I do not approve. Why? He was a convicted murderer. A murderer, my dear. The king's prerogative is not meant to be used in such a manner. And it is my understanding that the prerogative is to be used however the king sees fit. According to Tragus historians, none of your predecessors ever set free a murderer. They only released prisoners accused of minor crimes, like forgery and tax evasion, for example. Are you saying that I made an error? No, my love. The choice was yours. I believe that my choice will endear me to our subjects. How so? It shows my great ability for forgiveness. If a murderer can be forgiven, might not any man? Perhaps you are correct. Prag and his wife may merit extra surveillance, though. What does his wife have to do with this? Have you never heard of Colch, his wife? I cannot say that I have. She is known throughout the country as a mystic, a seer, a caster of spells. Evidently not such a good mystic, or she would have foreseen her husband's trouble. I do not believe in such fault. I would not be so quick to dismiss her, my love. The tales of her influence are legendary among the peasant folk. 
Well, let them believe what drivel they wish. Those of royal blood know better, do we not? My king, my king! Guard, what is the meaning of this? You are disturbing my repose. But I... I was just about to retire. It has been a long but glorious day. Her, Her Majesty, the Queen... What What of the Queen? S- sire, I, I... Spit it out, man. The, the co- Queen, she... she... Enough of this. To her bedchamber. Oh, dear God! Such blood! The walls themselves are crimson. Help me find her among the bloody bedclothes. Here, oh, your highness. Dear me, her throat. <clears throat> Call the doctor immediately. The, the doctor, my king? But her majesty has passed hope. Do you not think I realize this? The, the, the doctor will know what to do from here on. Yes, sire, it, it is as you say. Such a bitter end for so wonderful a day. Does my liege now wish me to remain? No. Fetch the doctor. As you wish, sire. Please, close the door behind you and allow me a few moments with my beloved wife. Certainly, sire. Dear wife, I regret that this was necessary. You guessed it yourself, didn't you, earlier in the day? Very good, Prague. Suitably brutal. And now, to the future. May I get you anything, Your Majesty? No, thank you, Captain. Did you find the Queen's service touching? Indeed I did, sire. I never thought that I would outlive my beloved wife. Captain... I want the country searched from end to end for her murderer. The villain must be found as quickly as possible. Your Majesty will be pleased to know that I have already put my best men on the hunt. Very good. You are efficient as always. You are kind, sire. Now, Captain, fetch all of the Queen's ladies-in-waiting and bring them here. I would speak with them about an urgent matter. My ladies, is speaking. Since there will never be a good time for such things, I have chosen this moment to inform you that you will all be retained. Well, of course, I knew we'd be kept around. What would they do without her? One day, there may be a new queen, and she will require the services of her ladies-in-waiting. You have all proven yourselves worthy of this great honor. Yes, yes, and uh, now please go. Thank you for your time. 
I am certain that you will all wish to have time to reflect privately in light of today's services. No, please stay for a moment. Yes, Your Majesty. Nara, do you know that my wife was very fond of you? I do, sire. More than a handful of times. She told me that you were her favorite and her most lovely lady-in-waiting. She was always a kind woman, my liege. Did you ever wonder why the queen never bore me a child? I had no such curiosity about such a fine woman, your majesty. The answer is that she, poor soul, was barren. I am so sorry for both of you. Thank you. Nara, this land needs a queen. Someone the ladies of the kingdom might look up to and... and... emulate. I always admired the queen. Then you shall understand what I am about to ask. As my wife's favorite lady-in-waiting, I desire you to become the next queen of Trega. I? Yes. I think my beloved would approve. If she cannot rule by my side, she would want her favorite lady in her place. Do you really think so, sir? I do. Will you become my queen? I would be honored. Most honored, your majesty. You honor me. I shall ask the priest to perform the wedding ceremony as soon as possible. The wedding proclamation shall be read to the people tomorrow morning. Dear wife, I am here, in our bed. It was all merely a bad dream. What was the dream about? I cannot say. We never kept secrets from each other when we lived in Trega. Are we allowed to do so now that we live in Swaro? Of course not. Then explain. I cannot. You know of the mystical value of dreams. You have mentioned it to me on more than one occasion. Then you should tell me. Your dream could be an omen from the spirit world. I think not. Did it have something to do with your time in prison? No, it took place after that. In Trega? Yes. But your time in Trega after the king freed you was very limited. Only about a day. True. Your dream was about something that happened during that one day? Correct. Something you actually did? Yes. What, husband? Tell me. I cannot. You would be ashamed of me, and so would our son. That is not possible. Such knowledge would make it possible. Very well. Let it go for now. You will tell me when you are ready. I am sorry, coach. No matter. You were a better man in Trega. Please don't. Speaking of Trega, did you hear that the king is soon to be a father? He is? Yes. Evidently, he married one of the late queen's ladies-in-waiting. She bears him a child. When will the child be born? In one month's time, I hear. Why? 
I am a fool. Pardon me? A fool, Colch. You married a fool. Your Majesty! Your Majesty! What? Why do you barge into my chamber, Captain? Pardon me, sire, but I have news of the culprit responsible for the murder of your wife. Then speak, ma'am! Our agents have tracked him to the land of Swarrow. Swarrow? Who is it? Regrettably, sire, it appears to be the prisoner you freed with your prerogative. Is that so? What was his name again? Prague. Yes, yes, Prague. That was it. You will want his identity kept secret? For certain. It will not do to have my subjects know that my lapse of judgment contributed to the Queen's death. Could you really be blamed, sire? After all, can one man be responsible for the actions of another? Mm. No. A man's actions are his own. However, some might doubt my logic and my ability to rule. I put you in full charge of this matter. You honor me, your majesty. I shall lead the team to Swarrow, secure this execrable villain, Prague, and put him to death. Death? Yes, your majesty. According to the ancient laws, the murder of a member of the royal family is punishable by death. In all the long history of Trega, it has never been necessary to carry out such a sentence. Does my liege have a, a preferred method of execution for the beast? No, not necessarily. I will leave that matter to you. Thank you, sire. The swine will be dead before nightfall. Now, I beg your leave. I must be on my way. <sighs> I am sorry, Prague. It looks as if one of us must pay the price for this, and uh, I am afraid fate has chosen you. Yes, as a condition of my freedom. Why would you agree to such a vile act? Had I not done this for the king, I would have died in prison. Never to see you or our son again. Better to die an honest man. So you can easily say. You never spent a single night in that wretched cell. Tis true. Nonetheless, the king has played you for a fool. I know that now. Here the three of us live. In a cottage... Too small for two, while the king basks in a new life with a new queen and a child on the way. You hate me. I do not hate you, husband. How can one argue with your desire to see your family again? The king should be cursed for the death of so fine a lady as the queen. Hide, husband. You must not be found. I will not hide from any man in my own home. Prague, stay where you are. You will stay away from my husband. Get out of my way, good woman. My business is not with you. You will not have him. Men, restrain her. Oh, let me... Let me... 
Step forward, Prague. Let him alone. He is not the guilty one. Shh, wife. My darling. Hold your tongue. As the captain of the King's Guard and a direct representative of the King of Traeger, I must inform you that you have been found guilty of the murder of our Queen. Without a trial? I was given a trial in the death of the shopkeeper. No trial is required for the crime of which you are guilty. The punishment is death. No! You can't! But I did what I did for the king. He asked Enough. me to- You demean our king with your filthy lies. Stand ready to receive your sentence. I... I am ready. Prague, no! It is done. My sword to his heart, and it beats no longer. Release the woman. No. Husband. Oh, my love. Captain, take your men away from here. We will, good woman. I'm sorry for your troubles. I don't believe you. You are not sorry. Not one little bit. You delight in your power. Your husband was guilty. The sentence had to be carried out. It is done. You will leave now! As you wish. <sighs> And take a message to the king. Madame. Tell the king that I will be seeing him soon. I bring you glorious news, sire. The villain Prague breathes no more. Ah, good work, Captain. Thank you, sire. I will issue a proclamation in the morning. Prague will not be mentioned by name. Very good, Your Majesty. And now the whole sordid business is behind us. That will be all, Captain. Good night, my liege. Now the future begins. A new wife. Soon an heir. The people of Traeger have much to look forward to. What is this? The night suddenly grows very cold. I am chilled. You believe this business is behind you? I beg to differ. What? Who are you? How did, how did you get in here? How did you get past the guard at the door? My name is Kolch. Kolch? Where have I heard that name? I am the wife of Prague. Or should I say, the widow? Of course. 
Now I remember. You will not soon forget. How did you gain entrance to my chamber? I am not really here. Rubbish. I can see you plainly. That is true. I am here, yet not here. A part of me appears before you while my body remains in my cottage in Swaro. My late wife spoke of your supposed powers. They are quite real, as, as you will soon learn. What are you talking about, woman? You killed my husband. I did no such thing. Your guard killed him under your orders. You used my husband to do your evil work for you, knowing full well what his punishment would be when he was caught. How did I know he would be caught? I told him to flee to Swarrow after the crime. Which he did. But your influence is long-armed. My husband was a simple man who believed the words of his king and wanted only to be with his wife and son. Now, now he lies dead, his, his heart, heart pierced, pierced by your captain's sword. So I heard you have my sympathies. I do not believe you for an instant. You murdered him as surely as if you had thrust the blade yourself. His, his blood, blood is on your, your hands, hands and I will have my vengeance. <laughs> You're going to punish me with your imaginary powers? I shall do better than that. I shall punish those whom you love, your new wife, an unborn child. If you harm them, you shall feel the sting of my blade. You shall never find me. My imaginary powers, as you call them, shall protect me. You cannot escape the strength of my army. You are but one woman. I can and shall be safe. If only I had had the time to prepare, I might have saved my husband. Beware my wrath, O oh cowardly king. You do not frighten me, Colch. Then you, sire, are more of a fool than I imagined. <laughs> baby is nearly born, my love. The doctor says that one final push shall complete the labor. I will try. It is done, my dear husband. We have a beautiful daughter. Look at her lovely face. No! Why do you cry out? Our child! She is beautiful, is she not? Her face! Her voice! Her voice! She was just born! She does not speak! Colt! What have you done? You witch!
and an unborn child did not earn my wrath. And so, whenever you look upon the face of your daughter, you shall see the face of your late wife. Every time the infant so much as gurgles, you shall hear not her sweet tones, but the voice of my husband. And now, farewell forever, and may you live a long time from this day. <laughs> Colch has meted out her punishment. Was it fair? Unfair? Our opinions matter little, as it has already happened. What do you think? Was the king able to rule over his subjects properly while seeing the image of the late queen in the face of his daughter and hearing the voice of Prague every time she made a sound? History, alas, does not tell us. That was The King's Prerogative, an original audio play by guest writer Mike Murphy, the sixth episode of Pulpery Theater's fourth season. Featured in our cast, Omar Lopez as guard number one, Edward Champion of Grey Area Productions as the King, Micah Blaine as Prague, Lisa Michaud as the Queen, Christian Ferris as guard number two, Owen McEwen as Captain of the King's Guard, Ashley Christine Vega as Nara, and Jessica Matthews as Colch. Your announcer was Lisa Ayala. Written in 2008, The King's Prerogative was originally produced that same year by Gypsy Audio. Tonight's version was adapted for Pulpery Theatre, directed and produced by Pete Lutz. And now, here's Pete to tell us about our next episode. Thanks, Lisa, but before that, credit must be given to composer Tom Rory Parsons, who designed the musical atmosphere for our production. I think he did a bang-up job, don't you? You can find more of Tom's music at soundcloud.com forward slash Rory Parsons. And special thanks must go out to the handful of very kind ladies who stepped in at the last moment to provide the voices of the ladies-in-waiting in scene six. And they are, in alphabetical order, M.J. Cogburn, Sarah Golding, Tanya Malayevic, Fiona Thrail, and Ash Thurman. Many, many thanks for your kind assistance. Next time on Pulpery Theatre, we present a rollicking high sea adventure from the pages of Adventure Magazine called Ghost Lanterns. Written by the man who penned the story, adapted into the John Wayne film The Searchers, Alan B. LeMay, Ghost Lanterns tells the tale of a sailing merchant ship becalmed in tropical waters and what the crewmen do when their shipmates start disappearing one by one. That's next time on Pulpery Theatre, and we hope you'll join us. Until then, this is Pete Lutz reminding you to call me when your situation improves and to keep your ears clean. The preceding production was sourced from materials in the public domain, except where indicated. The audio play script and the production itself are original works 
and are the property of their creator, and thus protected by copyright. This production was pre-recorded and mixed at 63 Audio, Corpus Christi, Texas. Remember, Pulp Puri Theater is your source for the best in audio drama. This has been a 63 Audio production. Hi gang, Pete again with some exciting news for you. If you love audio comedy programs, one of the best has just begun its second season of silliness, so set your sights for the saga of John Wayneby, the Winnebago Warrior. Produced by Audio Oblivious Productions, Winnebago Warrior Season 2 continues the tale of John, who drives his shiny new RV across America in search of people in need of his special brand of assistance, Eagle Screech. Next, American history buffs and anybody who enjoys an exciting story will get a kick out of the Drift and Ramble podcast, which takes true tales of the Old West and brings them to life. With engaging narrative and exciting dramatizations of actual events, the Drift and Ramble podcast is more than just history. Steve Blizzen and his production crew are gearing up for their exciting new season coming soon. Find both of these terrific shows at iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and other podcast providers. 63 Audio. And that's this week's show. Join us next week as we shed all our pretensions of evolution and begin all over. <laughs> that's right. And while we're at it, we might as well go along with some old friends. Until then, I'm Jack Ward. And I'm David Alt. And we will see you in seven, right here in The Society. Sonic Society is written and produced weekly by Jack J. Ward and David Alt, with original music by Sharon B. at SharonB.com. All features, interviews, and audio drama shorts are owned completely by their originators and provided to the Sonic Society by Creative Commons Licensing. The Society itself originates from Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. Thanks for listening. This has been an Electric Vicuna production. Are you itching for a good story? Laughter among friends, maybe even a mystery or two? Well, you're in luck. Fire Breathing Kittens is a standalone Dungeons & Dragons podcast. Each episode is a separate three-hour-long story, like a movie for your ears, so you can listen to these adventures in any order you like. So join us on a real play D&D quest as we solve mysteries, attempt comedic banter and enjoy friendship fire breathing kittens podcast fantasy action mystery friendship